All right, three, two, one. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Nerd Stuff with Ian 2.0 podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ian. And today I want to talk about superhero deaths in comic books, or if not, deaths in comic books in general. You know, are they a good thing? Are they a bad thing? Are they overused? And in a lot of ways... It is one of those things, if you really look about it as a topic, it is difficult to say, because depending upon the writer and the ability of that writer, they can truly make a death a permanent meaningful thing, or a death that means something that can truly change your idea of it. You know, best examples I'm going to throw out there real quick are... I'm going to start off with one from DC and one from Marvel, and I'm going to kind of mix it up in between with the with Death One or different ones, and I'll go from there if I want to add in more. So the biggest death that was within within DC comic books, and no, I'm not going to count the death of Superman, the return, the reign of the Superman, and the return of Superman, because at the end of the day, they just retconned it, and that was a bigger iconic story now but looking at it in context it was it was a money grab which ultimately in a lot of ways you can kind of claim that to led to the comic book collapse and then you kind of had something somewhere they tried to do with nightfall but i felt like to me batman nightfall was done better the best way a death was has been written at least for d one of the best examples dc's written for a death wise in my opinion was Barry Allen's death in Crisis on Infinite Earths. He died being a hero, going against the Anti-Monitor. And I do encourage reading it. It's a great story. Even though that's like one of the pivotal moments. It's an old story from 85, going to 86. So, suggest you go back and read it. It's not super required reading now. That's in a sense. But if you really want to be like, hey, I want to figure out what the big writers were during that time or what's a great story for me to kind of go with that would be it but you have with dc you had barry allen's death which led to an evolution in the character of wally west who became the flash and both became integral in really developing a character now i'm i'll probably end up doing another podcast on the flash and the mythos and the importance of the flash in the dc universe at a later day, but I'm gonna kind of similar, I guess, or yeah, I just minimize it to this. So with the death of Barry Allen, you had Wally West, who was already Kid Flash, who was the sidekick of Barry Allen, who was already having issues dealing with his powers going away during that time. Barry Allen dies. He becomes the new Flash. He gains full ability of his powers, and he actually. In certain aspects, actually becomes more powerful than Barry, while in others, still is a little behind him. You know, he did new things that came with Mark Wade's writing that changed up the character of Wally West, that really expanded the Flash mythos that would later be even more expanded upon in retcon in certain aspects for Jeff Johns in the future when he brought back Barry Allen. So... That's a great example, in a lot of ways, of a death of a superhero that led to his sidekick 
becoming the hero. In a lot of ways, you have the debate who's the more fan favorite Flash, whether it's Barry Allen or Wally West. And yes, there are a couple Bart Allen fans out there who were like, hey, Bart Allen's my Flash, which didn't last as long as it could have. But that's a thing that happened and within the DC timeline, and I, I'm sure I'll probably talk about it in the Flash podcast at some point on that one. But Wally West, even to me, like, I love both Flashes. I love Barry Allen and Wally West equally. And I try my best to try and not say, hey, this one's better than this one. Because at the end of the day, they're both essentially the same character. It's just, depending upon the writing, one is a heck of a lot more powerful. And for people who really are in the know of the Flash, I'm going to be brutally honest. Barry Allen, in a lot of ways, is the more powerful, superior Flash. Due to the fact that they're going to go with, he created the Speed Force, you know, Barry technically when he created the Speed Force, the feedback from it came and created the Flash. So, in a weird way, you can come up with a bunch of craziness. But, that's a part of the Flash mythos and the Speed Force and everything that comes with it. Which, when Wally West was up, it was a little different with that one. I'll, I'll talk more about that in the Flash podcast. But... That was a more in-depth look at how it is you can write a character and let somebody else take up the mantle and become the new, become that new character and allow for creative writing to really take over. Another great example, and this one's from Marvel, is within the Ultimate Comics universe. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, you're, pro- you're going to bring up Ultimate Spider-Man, Peter Parker's death. And yeah, that is a big one. And that is the one I'm actually going to bring up because that was actually really well done. Because in a lot of ways, you allowed for a character to have a beginning, middle, and end written by one writer and Brian Michael Bendis, and he truly captivated audiences with his take on Spider-Man. And he did something that not a lot of comic book writers get to do, particularly with the big two, which is create your own character, or with... Create your own version of the character, make it your own truly, and have to be the bigger hit compared to the mainline Spider-Man, and then be like, hey, it's time I want to kill him off and move on to a new character, which he did, which he brought in Miles Morales. And that, to me, the death of Spider-Man, particularly in the Ultimate Universe, did a great job of establishing that. You know, you had gotten devoted fans... And in a lot of ways, it was an ability to let him go. You know, you finally had where Peter did everything he did, and he was just exhausted and just went. Now, I suggest you you read it. Definitely worth a read. I know some people will be like, oh, well, we saw it in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That is a version of it. And to me, I think it was a good version of... They did it well enough that, from a viewer standpoint, you're not mad at it. You're like, hey, this is an alternate universe. I get it. And then you got a character like Miles Morales, who, at first, I was kind of like, well, he's just a carbon copy of Spider-Man. And you can still argue that in a lot of ways. But as I've seen, depending upon the writer, really utilize him, he became more of his own 
in a lot of ways. Yes, he's still, you know, as all intents and purposes, he's still the blurred Spider-Man at that point, or black, black nerdy Spider-Man, or blurred, whichever one you, blurred Spider-Man, whichever one you want to go with. But I feel like, to me, you could still differentiate enough to be like, hey, Miles Morales and Peter Parker, that yes, they were the same character, and you can still say the same thing about Barry Allen and Wally West, but Miles Morales, while not getting as much ability to develop like Wally West did, still had a very similar ability to journey up. You know, he became the new Spider-Man. He wasn't as strong as Peter Parker. He was more stealthy. He had to be more agile. He had a pretty good healing factor. He also had the Venom Blast. He had a bunch of different things that truly allowed for him to be same as, as regular Peter Parker Spider-Man, while at the same time be better than him in certain aspects. You know, yeah, he did have his downfalls with his certain abilities he does have, but at the end of the day, they, it was enough to allow him to develop as a character. Now, it's not, in a lot of ways, a perfect way for his character to have been developed because they did catch a lot of backlash when Miles Morales came up. Like I said, a lot of people thought he was just, you know, in a lot of ways, and there's people to this day that will rag on the concept of Miles Morales should have never been created. You know, he's just a carbon copy just upon viewers who aren't this and this, all that stuff. And I'm not going to go in depth with what other people said. If you really want to find it, that's somewhere on the internet. You can find enough posts about it. Craziness. I look at it as comic books in the day, they're not going to always stay the same. You have to understand they're always going to change. And at the end of the day, it's about creative writing. Some art, some writers some writers and I guess creators and artists don't always take full advantage of what the character can truly bring. And sometimes, like I said, death can be a small minuscule thing that doesn't do well in the overall concept. And thinking about it as that, those are two great examples of how death can be elevated and yes, they'll still catch backlash but at the same time, they can be elevated enough that they gain an iconic status to have a big fan base because of it. And that's one way you can do it. But those are like two of the bigger ones. Outside of independent comic books, which at the end of the day, I think independent comic books do it the best. Because at the end of the day, they're not having to... Like, they know they're going to get readers, depending upon if you have a good enough writer on it. And they're allowed to use their own toys in the toy chest and be like, eh... If I want something to die, I can make sure it permanently stays gone. Versus the big two with Marvel and DC where with doing that, they don't always have that option. They don't always, you know, they're like, oh man, if I if I kill Bruce Wayne Batman and I bring in Dick Grayson as Batman, which they've done once, technically. Well, actually, okay. Uh, let's kind of round it back. So technically, if you really want to put it out as it, there's actually been Death of Batman twice, if you really want to think about it. And these are within a continuity, not in like, oh, 
alternate continuities, but within like a mainline continuity between Earth 1 and Earth 2. You know, Earth 1's Batman, or technically Earth 2's Batman, died. Dick Grayson took up the mantle. He became a weirder hybrid. He wasn't, I guess, Batman in a way. He was just, it, it was a lot that they went for. And it. this is Earth 2. So at the time, DC was out of the K. We have Earth 1, which is with Barry Allen, Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, all the other same characters that you really know and love, but we're with the Justice League of America. And then you have Earth 2 with the Justice Society of America, which had Jake Garrick, Alan Scott, Superman, Batman, or which is Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, and all the other characters. So essentially, with the concept DC's always done, we have two separate, two separate time multiverses, and we're able to do a bunch of different stuff, which... To this day, I'm more surprised that, I'm sorry to go off on a little bit of tangent, that it really hasn't had as much of, if you think about it, why more people don't fully take advantage of that. But I understand that it messes with con continuity, and if you're doing one character, you don't want to make him better than the other, this, that, and forth, so... Looking at it like that, you can see where you really don't want to have your giant expanding multiverse really outdo the prime one. And that's kind of where it all rounds about at the end of the day. I mean, Marvel's not unknown to it either. Marvel's got how many Marvel Universes and the main Marvel Universe is 616. So I tell people, think about that. In the concept of really how many multiverses has Marvel truly created and done. So, both of them are notorious. And there's a lot of different ways to actually write stories to fit that. You know, a lot of these what-if or, you know, one-off limited series like Batman, The White Knight, or Curse of the White Knight, or uh, Spider-Man Life Story... <clears throat> A lot of them, they're just alternate universes. Now, this goes a little bit in depth away from what death in comic books, death of comic book characters being used well, but it brings up the brings it back how I'm going to do it with is, or which is ultimately that a lot of people will take advantage of. Oh, this is an alternate timeline. I don't have to care about these characters. I can just murder fast and don't have to care. Best example of that, Jeff Loeb. He was going through a lot when he wrote it, but he wrote Ultimatum, which was supposed to be in a lot of ways Marvel cleaning house on their Ultimate Universe and allowing them to just expand it further out. I guess instead of having as many characters, I guess the best way to put it is, so instead of having so many players in the pot, so many ingredients in the pot, they're like, you know what, what if we just try and simplify the recipe? Take characters off the board and bring it back down to a smaller roster, which they did. You know, you had Magneto messing with the polar ice caps and truly, you know, he, he sent tidal waves like he killed a lot of characters from a lot of X-Men. And it just it was a lot. Now, it did lead to some interesting stories after the fact, which I did read, which. 
after all that happened, you had Ultimate X-Men going along with Ultimates, going along with Miles Morales Spider-Man or the Ultimate Spider-Man. And you had different stories that were able to be written after that. And to me, I feel like the one that did well was they were able to kill off a lot of the existential characters in that, but then rein it back in depending upon you as the writer. Now, did it work perfectly? Not really, as we saw. You know, Jonathan Hickman later brought it in and just completely was like, hey, and we're gonna, I'm doing something even more grandiose and wild. I'm going to go for it. And I read those stories by Jonathan Hickman with the X-Men. And I actually really liked the Ultimate X-Men, both before it got changed up when it first got started, and then after. I always felt like, in a lot of ways, they stayed consistent. But a lot of characters died. You know, big spoiler of that one, Wolverine was one of the main ones that died. But what came out of it was Jimmy Howlett. Jimmy Howlett is... Pretty much James Howard, a.k.a. Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine's son, who in a lot of ways is now in the main continuity. I don't know how they're figuring that out, or as if he really even is now, because you haven't seen him in a minute, and I'll look that up in a little while. I'll probably put in another podcast, but it brought about another Wolverine, which they found in the Ultimate Universe, where Jimmy Howard, he has the bone claws, but instead of being like his dad, Wolverine, or James Hallett, he didn't have a manium permanently put over his bones, but he had an organic metal more like Colossus. So he's better than the original Wolverine because he his mutant ability adapted and was allowed to, his mutant gene was able to truly, they had something cool that they could do with it. And I still like the concept is mutant genes should adapt to like that. And there's great stories that can be done with it. And he was one of the good ones that they were able to really take advantage of. Now, I know why he's lived this long. Like I said, you know, when you have a Wolverine that can have organic metal go over his bones and then go back to bone claws or go back to just regular bone, you have someone that's, in a lot of ways, deadlier than Wolverine. And he doesn't have near the, like imagine like a teenage Wolverine with just hormones trying to get everything that he wants and who doesn't have the inhibitions that that Logan had. So that's where Logan's like, I've been through war, I've done this and that, like I've done a lot, like, you know, it sucks, but I'm going to do it. Imagine a guy who's just like, I'm just trying to get the girl, man. He's like, I'm just, whatever, like. I'm ready to go. I'm trying to pay people out. That was the bigger difference. And he's had some good writing. Definitely was interesting and it did well. At least in my opinion. Particularly for that character. They still have fan favorite characters like Storm and Colossus alive. But they picked and choose what they wanted. And that was just among the few that were with it. And they had interesting stories to come with it. Now that is one example of another example. I guess say another example of. Pretty much, death in comic books being allowed to be used. It was used poorly, but it was used to try and create something better in the after effect, which at the end of the day, they had some cool concepts that came out of it, but didn't live up because they allowed a lot of death to happen. And needless death did happen because of it. 
I mean, within that same token, I can bring up the fact that since then, you know, you have, if people were reading Jonathan Hickman's X-Men or Don of X, House of Ten, everything like that, who've gone through all that, Jonathan Hickman, I, and I'm not really going to spoil super much about it, but I, the big thing I'm going to talk about is Jonathan Hickman, amazing writer, he did something that truly changed it when it came down to it. He's like, people always want to see X-Men characters die. They know that's what's going to happen. Okay, well, why don't I just take death off the board and change it up? Now, for people who haven't read all that, I'm just going to leave it kind of like that and be like, hey, if you haven't read X-Men, do it. I can go in-depth about it, but I'll probably do that when I talk more in-depth about Jonathan Hickman's X-Men as a whole. So, just kind of think to yourself, well, what does he mean by he took death off the board in the comic book? And I'm just going to leave it on that one. Now, that same caveat, you have Batman R.I.P. with the death of Batman in Final Crisis. Where that in a lot of ways... Uh, that was a failure, I'll be honest. To at least to me, I felt like it was the same thing as Superman. You copped out. You were too scared to, you know, truly, you know, kill a character permanently. So what you did was you were like, eh, I'm going to give it, I'm going to make Dick Grayson the new Batman. Going to give him some great stories, let him change up. And I actually really did like Dick Grayson Batman. To me, like I said, my first podcast back, I was like, Dick Grayson Batman is my Batman. Because I think that there is stories that can be written with him. You know, you still have him questioning, am I good enough to be Bruce Wayne's successor? Am I good enough to be Batman? That's something that's always going to be interesting writing. Because it's the same thing. You can always write it that way. And then when you finally have him come into his own, he feels different. A great example of that is Batman Black Mirror by Scott Snyder, which takes place with Dick Grayson Batman. Before they brought back Bruce Wayne Batman and brought everything different, you had that. You also had Grant Morrison's Batman, which was Dick Grayson Batman with Damian Wayne. You had a lot of different characters that could be played with. And you allowed for a different story that didn't involve Bruce Wayne. Because in today, I mean, we've seen you can still create great stories for Bruce Wayne, Batman. But how long until, you know, would they go, well, we're just going to go and do it again. You know, he's, I mean, there's not a lot left. But then again, you can say it about almost any any character from the big two. You know, if there's been a story written about him, it's probably been, and you don't feel like they've gotten their comeuppance. At some point, a writer has probably pushed it to give them that. And they just kind of round it back with the death of Bruce Wayne Batman. You know, everyone's like, oh, well, he's, he's permanently dead. Nah. Sent back in time, time travel, all sorts of shenanigans, just different stuff to go with the character. Bruce Wayne comes back. Somehow the Omega Means don't kill him. They send him back in time. Craziness. So, to me, I felt like that was a failure 
on both the honoring of Bruce Wayne's character, while at the same time they're on the lack of really allowing Dick Grayson to truly just come into his own, to truly be able to take care of, take over. Now you can argue that it's up to editors, management, anything, whatever you want to go with. It's there. It's always going to be out there. But at the same time, that's an example of really kind of just not allowing a character to truly get because you're more worried about sales. Because at the end of the day, everyone knows Batman sells. Just being honest. And, I mean, you can go and say that about Marvel as well. Marvel's definitely gone and done some stuff that, in particular, they killed off the Fantastic Four. Or they made the Fantastic Four not the Fantastic Four anymore. Because they didn't want to keep giving Fox rights to the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. They literally were just like, we're just going to run our characters through the mud. Because we don't want to, you know, go in and let you have great stories. I mean, that... People are going to be like, oh, that's petty. I'm like, it is. But that was the thing that was done. And at the end of the day... I mean, I can't control writer how they want to run stuff through. It was different. And at the end of the day... I mean, it's their property. And they know they still made money off it. So... I mean, it is what it is at this point. Best way to put that. And, I mean, they're too big too that... I mean, for all the greatness that they brought forth, when it comes down to the characters, they've also had some pretty big hiccups when it comes down to it. So, and on on purposes, I guess I'll round it off with a couple quick pros and cons of it all. A good pro of it is you allow a new character, or allow a previously underutilized character to truly be evolved and become a better version of the of their own character or to take on the moniker and become something better to honor that character. That's a gr- that's one of the bigger pros. Second one behind that, you allow writers to not feel as confined to one person's continuity, one person's writing. You also be like, hey, well they did this. Well why don't I just do this? I can do this. I can come up with something new and different. And that's kind of how it's been. With a lot of, particularly for reboots and death of characters and having them change, you can do that. You know, you can also, with death of a character, with that you can also have alternate timelines. You can do what-if swords. You can do a lot of different things, particularly, like I said, creative writing-wise. You can do a lot of different things with the death of a character. But the first big con that comes out, because I'm just going to do a couple pros, is... The overutilization of character deaths at one point leads to they don't have the same impact. If I kill off Wolverine every year for five years straight and then bring him back two months later, am I truly allowing the character's death to mean something? Or am I just being like spitting in the face of fans and saying, yeah, I did this, I don't. You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with it. And that's just an example. Or I guess just a, an example. And that's not a shot at Marvel in regards to handling characters. It's just putting out there, if I did that consistently, 
people would lose faith in the comic book and I'd be canned super quick. You know, that that's one of the bigger things. You lose the meaning of a character's death. Number two is essentially sales. If I'm writing Batman, or if I'm writing Bruce Wayne Batman, and he's the highest seller book or selling book that DC has, and I go, hey, I want to kill this guy. I want to have it be this whole this crazy heroic. He's gonna go out balls to the wall, like Final Crisis. He's getting hit by Omega beams, and they just committed. You know, they can like that. That same caveat. They're like, well, we got somebody else. I guess we'll take over for a couple years, but he's coming back. And unless I can't pitch it to where I'm like, no, he needs to stay dead and then give them a good enough reason. Like with what happened with Barry Allen to Wally West flashes. Which I think theirs is more of, we want, they. I think they want to just kind of let Barry Allen stew for a long time. Because really his character had kind of stagnated. I guess the best way to put it that, go into it, but that's... Also goes with the concept. You know, you're rejuvenating a character. You're rejuvenating readers and viewers of those books. And then, last but not least with the cons, is ultimately, you miss out on stories you never could have wrote. You know, if Bruce Wayne had stayed dead, you could still have done the Court of Hours storyline written by Scott Snyder with Dick Grayson Batman. Because at the end of the day, Dick Grayson was still a centric character, or a central character within that storyline. So you could still do it, but at the same time, it if you'd done it with Dick Grayson, a lot of people are like, well, what would have happened if Bruce Wayne had done that story? Or you can argue, same thing with Superman. What, what if Superman truly had not died? What if Superman had overcome his death against Doom, what death against Doomsday, which he did? You know, or what if Barry, or not, not even Barry Allen, what if Hal Jordan, during Emerald Twilight, when everything was going sideways, when he became Parallax, why, what would have happened if he truly didn't become the Spectre and he just became a, a monster? You know, you can, which he was, and sorry, that's not as great of an example as I want to kind of go with, but I mean, you can go with tons of different things in regards to couple characters and really just stories you never got to write. You know, there's plenty of continuity out there. Whether it's the X-Men the Animated Universe continuity where, you know, season five, they ended it. They're like, I mean, but that was due more to funding and all sorts of other fun stuff and them not doing it, but we'll never know. Same thing with the Spider-Man the Animated Series. If you watch the entire series from beginning to end, the cliffhanger at the end, you'll never know whether or not Peter Parker finds Mary Jane. One thing it's said by Madam Webb at the end of the series is, now let's go find Mary Jane. And that's it. Nothing else. No new series. And then they immediately went to Spider-Man Unlimited. So, that truly was a kick in the nugs. To fans in a lot of ways but you know that's stories that never got to be completed i guess within that 
same, which I guess if you want to run it back, which Death of Superheroes and Deaths in Comics, you can always go in and find a way to bring it up. Even within loss of storyboards, or I guess you don't know how the story would have been written differently if they had this character. And, that, I mean, that's ultimately, if you look at it, it, you know, that's just looking at the characters from the understanding of, you know, no character's truly ever going to die. Nobody's ever going to truly stay dead. Because at the end of the day, companies want to make money. And if the character's popular enough to make money, they want to make it. Unless you're in, like, The Walking Dead, then depending upon whether you're the comic book or you're the TV show. Or if you're in, like, a manga like Gantz or Agami Got Kill. I mean, if you're in those... Good luck. That's all I'm gonna say. For fans of Gant, people who know of what Gantz is, and know of what a comic got kill is, and people who, I mean, there's plenty of people who've watched The Walking Dead, or if not, I've read The Walking Dead, or if not, I've just read certain independent comic books that have had ridiculous amount of deaths. You know, you can round it all back to all that, and but you can also bring up the concept of those are also independent books they're not they're like this is a story a finite story from beginning to end and the creator was able to do it which argument which i'll probably do another podcast on the arguments of who has done it better manga or american comics at some point of truly who's doing better storytelling and who's consistently doing better storytelling. At some point I'll probably do that, but I'm going to wait just because I know I already did comic books and manga, physical versus digital. I'm going to let that one stew, let people who want to listen to it. If you don't, that's fine. If you do, that's fantastic. It's great. I appreciate it. But, with that being said, I think I'm going to close out this episode of the podcast. I figure it's probably run on longer than I probably should have let it. But, you know what? I'm not about to complain too, too much. So, with that being said, thank you guys again for listening. And, uh, like I said, you guys can always email me. Or, if you have my Facebook or anything like that, you guys can always hit me up there. Or on Twitter. I think it's Walters 9 Always hit me up there as well. There's plenty of stuff. So with that being said, thank you guys and have a great day. Bye-bye.